0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. 51551 is our text number. Just got a phone call in the last few minutes. Anyone living in Ennis in County Clare, one of our listeners said the place is covered in black smoke, not from a fire uh, uh, danger, but from homes, from burning smoky coal. Apparently, even though it's been banned for over a year. Ennis, Ennis Gorty, Letterkenny, Tralee, Ringsend in Dublin, all in the last few weeks have exceeded uh, sulfur dioxide uh, uh, monitor, monitoring uh, levels and air pollution levels and this is attributed to one thing and one thing only the burning of illegal smoky coal um, and I, I don't know why Ennis, Ennis Gorty Letter Kenny because it's still legal in Northern Ireland I presume you can go and buy it in Northern Ireland but they're hardly buying it in uh, Northern Ireland to bring it to Tralee um, whereas Robert Hudson from the Crumlin Fuel Depot, been there for many long years. Robert, good afternoon. How are you, Joe? Good afternoon to you. Are Thank you, you are you allowed to sell smoky coal under any no. circumstances? No, under under no circumstances whatsoever can you sell smoky coal or bituminous coal in any anywhere in the Republic of Ireland. And for many years now you see it's it's been banned in Dublin for over thirty years. Thirty now, years, yeah. Dublin. yeah. Yeah, So um there's a perception um outside of Dublin that um, the old smoky coal is somehow better. But that's mm. a false perception because the, the newer smokeless fuel, it's, it's higher in heat output. Oh, it's got it? a higher calorie. Oh, much, much, much more, Joe. It's a much higher calorific value. Uh, it's more consistent in quality because most of it is manufactured. So you're not, you're okay. not running into the same, yeah, you're not running into the same difficulties that you would from uh, coal that's mined. You know, you get your coal, it's an old bituminous coal that's coming from a mine. It could be coming from various different mines, from a good mine, from a bad mine. Even from within the same mine, you can get a good vein or a bad vein. So okay. the, cons- the consist- consistency of the old smoky coal is, um, is, it was always hitting this. And like anybody who burns it will know that. But the consistency of the new smokeless fuel, as well as it's been higher heat output, and, and much more consistent in quality, it also lasts longer. The problem mm-hmm. we have, the problem we have, Joe, is that people people are reluctant to change. And outside of Dublin, um, it's new. The, the smokeless fuel is new to them, and pe- people always get the perception of hold on for a second. If they're telling us to burn something out, there must be something wrong. But in fact, it's it's a much better fuel, and as I said, much better quality, much better heat output, and it's consistent. And what, that's, that's, but that's Robert, the big deal. Robert, what about the price? Well, the price there's, there's little little difference in the price, okay. but where you will get yeah, no, there's no difference in the price. Where you will get a price differential, Joe, is when it's coming cross border, and this is a consistent problem because if you go online, you can Google it, yeah. and you can buy bituminous coal and have it delivered to you here in the Republic of Ireland on one ton pallet and at much reduced price because it's a lesser. There's no carbon tax, and okay. um, there's a and there's a lesser VAT rate. And, wow. it's, it's a, and, and it's an illegal product. But it's legal in Northern Ireland, isn't it? Edward it's Poots, legal, yeah. oh, Ed, Ed, yeah. Edwin Poots, the Minister for Health, when, yeah. when they did have the Minister for Health, he said he, he, he wouldn't ban it. I don't know whether he was being contrary or not. But he said... he, well, he said, so, And, and yeah, Robert, what are, you, what are you saying? You can order... I can order... You can order, you can order it online on a one-tone pallet yeah. and it will be delivered. And in my opinion, the way, they, the way they are trying to circumvent the law, you see, 
It's illegal for them to deliver it here in Ireland, okay. or, or in the Republic of Ireland, I should say. It's illegal for them to deliver it. But the way the way they're circumventing it is they're sending it by what what they will call a courier, but it's just a truck, you know. It's whether it belongs to them or not. They'll, they'll say it's just I'm just a courier delivering on uh, delivering a pallet of stuff. I don't know what it is. It's nothing to do with me. And but it, it, who polices it? Like, does anyone come around checking you? You you're yes. there a long time in your big depot. Does anyone yes. come around checking that you don't? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. The, uh, Dublin City Council has inspectors, or they did have inspectors on the road, and uh, not so much now because because there isn't the prevalence yeah, yeah. of them um, of smoky fuel. So, but but uh, certainly in the initial stages, I would have had uh, two inspectors from Dublin City Council in with me on a weekly basis checking. Uh, Checking my stock and checking my records, and, and um, but just but you see, I, I I was in a I was in a fixed position at that stage. So there's there's all there, but, but there were trucks going around that um, you know they there might be closed in trucks or whatever. And, no, you can, yeah, and business, yeah. So but the, the inspectors are on the road, and if they see a coal truck, they will inspect it or should inspect it. But um, and where whatever's it, coming out, where does our where does the the, the non-smoky coal. Where does it come from, Robert? Oh, well, it comes from Poland or from... Okay. Well, it was coming from... There was a lot of it coming from Russia, uh, Colombia, uh, various different coal mining countries. Like, it's still, it's still sold worldwide, you know, bituminous mm. coal. It's, but uh, but in, in, as you know, in Ireland... Are you allowed to... Uh, there was an exception made, as always... There, was, there had to be an, an exception. This is Ireland when when Eamon Ryan banned uh, bituminous coal. He 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 banned turf as well. Can you sell turf? Did. No, can't sell turf. It's illegal to sell turf. It's illegal for anybody to sell turf. Well, However, ex- the, the, except, the exception is yeah. is that if somebody if somebody has a, a bog or you know a, a family that has been traditionally yeah. um, uh, sourcing their their own turf from their own bog or from from a rented bog. Uh, they're they're allowed to continue, and they're also allowed to um, pass on some of that to their neighbours. Now, in the in a perfect world, that seems all very reasonable. But you know, I, I, but I don't see the turf as a, as a major problem. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a problem in, in Dublin, Joe. It's certainly not a, turf is certainly not a problem in Dublin. Well, it's not and a problem if you can't get you can't get it. But people love it. No, you can't get it. No, 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 you can't get it. And what but, about? Uh, but, what, uh, and apparently, yeah, the phrase I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Tuber isn't it tuberty rights? If you if you have, if you, yeah, if your family right. have a spot in a bog going back, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah it, 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 tr- traditionally around the country, people would have been would have been cutting turf uh, during the summer and leaving it to dry mm-hmm. out, and then taking it in, taking it in in the winter and heating the house. You know, so so what's so you know you, you know these compacted logs now, Robert? Yes, they come yes. and ten of them in a, uh, a plastic. They they be heavy enough now. Um, what are they? What, what are they made from? They're for those those particular logs. I think the ones you're referring to are usually right. made from sawdust. Sawdust. But that's dry. Yeah, dry wood is okay, Joe. Yeah. it's okay to burn dry wood. If you're burning wet wood um, in your fire, it's going to create two difficulties. Number one, it's not going to burn very well because yeah. it's wet, stamped, and wood by its nature will absorb moisture. Okay. You know, it's a, a tree. It, that's what a tree is. Nature has designed the tree to absorb the moisture from the ground right up throughout it. So wood by its nature will absorb moisture. So if you're boring wet wood, it's going to be soaked through, even if it's a little bit, mm. looks a little bit dry on the surface. So, so that what's creates your, a problem. In, are, briquettes, are briquettes gone? Briquettes are gone, yeah. But there are, uh, border motor briquettes are gone. But there are a German briquette available on the market now. 
But they burn in a different way as well. It's and what's your, what's your biggest seller, Robert? Do pe- are people going for these new clean 10, ten packs oh, yeah. of logs compacted? No, pe- no, no, pe- no pe- people would, people in, certainly in Dublin, in the Dublin area, people will be burning logs as an addition to the smokeless oh, fuel. Okay. Because okay. It's, yeah, the smokeless fuel is going to be a core heating source because it's providing the high heat output. And then you use a log after that to get it to flame up. And said, as I often tell my customers, it said it was throwing on a half a bucket of coal that might cost, you know, three or four euro, or two, two or three euro, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Throw on a log that's costing a couple of cents and flame that's that up true, instead yeah. of flame because because the heat from the smokeless fuel is going to be sufficient. Okay. And this is another this is another difficulty that I was saying about uh, bituminous coal that comes from a mine because of the inconsistency in, pro- in, in the product. And people, when they see a fire is not blazing, that traditionally would have indicated that the coal was bad. Yeah, but with the smokeless fuel, you don't want it blazing. It's a slow burning. It's a slower burning fuel, okay. longer lasting fuel, better value for money. So what you want in the in the fire is you just want it uh, resting there, nice and nice red glow, not blazing away. Because once you reach a certain heat level, Joe, there's no point of going above it. You know, when the when okay. the fire when the fire is when the fire is giving out a perfectly okay. adequate heat. There's no point of getting more heat, you know, over and above it. So okay. that's, that's why I would You're often recommend. Put a log on top, Joe, and then okay. save your money, get a little bit of flame from that, and you'll get the heat. The far superior heat output from the smokeless fuel. Like, you're, you're, like, you're like a Duracell battery there, Robert. Do you ever, <laughs> do, do you ever slacken? The fact, no, by the no, way, no slack. No, no slack. slack no slack. No slack. No slack. Can you still buy slack? No, no. Slack would, slack would be the same as well, Joe. You can burn a smokeless slack. But the problem with, with slack is that um, what happens is it, um, it, it deadens a fire. Yeah. And that in itself can make it a. You know, if a fire, this is another issue as now with the with the with the with the smokeless coal versus the bituminous coal. The smokeless coal is burning at a far higher rate, at a far okay. cleaner rate. Where if you have something that's smoldering or not burning well, it's going to be smoky. You know, even if it's not yeah. terribly smoky to no, begin the smoke, with. The smoke is the killer. Yeah. Stay with us, Robert, yeah. please. Paddy in Donegal. Paddy, you're listening to Robert Hudson from the Crumlin Fuel Depot. He said the smoky fuel is banned, the smoky coal is banned, and you're better off because the smokeless uh, coal is better. And the people, and I'm not saying, do, do people still go across the border to buy the smoky coal, Paddy? Well, naturally enough, sir. You just go yeah. across there get the uh, analyst cheaper too, you know. Uh, I know that. Carbon, no carbon tax or nothing like that. You know, why, 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 why would you be robbed out here you can go in there and get a chipper, you know? No, and, would you, and, and Paddy, would you would you notice now that the weather has gone very very cold? Which you know, I don't know what part of Donegal you're in, it's a massive county. But um, would you notice as you go into a town that the, the, the it was more smokier than usual? Um, yeah, you get it. Uh, there's no breeze at night there. You would you would you would get it. Well, people still born turf too. You could smell the turf as well. Yeah, you know, turf is lovely. Yeah. Say there, Paddy, joe Robert, Paddy's phrase was, there's no life in the smokeless coal. There is, you see, Joe, this is the perception. You think if it's not flaming away, 
Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not heating, but that's not that's not the reality. The reality is that the smoker fuel has a far higher heat output. You know, scientifically, it's got a higher heat output. So you don't yeah, but need Robert, a fire. Robert, Robert, the whole you know the whole phenomenon of somebody staring into a dancing fire. Where the flames yes, are dancing. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dancing away well, and wasting ma- away. Yeah. Yeah, but there's many an Irish poet and writer that's that's gazed into that fire and been inspired. You you absolutely, want but Yeah, does, you won't get any inspiration looking in at a, a, de- a dead fire. Ah no, it's not a dead fire at all, Joe. But there's no it, dancing it's, it's flames. Ah there is, yeah. Oh, okay. there, there is a flame, but it's it's not it's not going to be blazing away. It's a slower burning fuel. It's a more consistent fuel. You know, it's, it's more solid, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's just a better product. And I'm not saying that as a sales tactic, it just is. It's, it's like, it's a fact, it's, it lasts longer. It's a higher heat okay. output. It's cleaner, it's cleaner boring. It's better value for money. And it's okay. cleaner for the environment. Yeah, but, Robert, but it will, it, but you but will get a flame, it will flame okay. away, Joe. But as, but as I said, if you want to get an, an additional flame, because you're already getting the heat output from it. And this is where people have this misperception that if it's not flaming, it's not heating. And that would be okay. from the old bituminous coal. If it's not flaming, it's not heating, it's bad coal. But the, the, the smoke machine will flame. It won't, it won't blaze away, just blazing up your chimney like the old bituminous coal. Because it's, it's there, it's, 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 it's giving you the heat out all Paddy, the time. The, the, Paddy, do you want the dancing flame? Is that what you want? <laughs> And Robert, to come, I'll come back to you in a second, Paddy. But Robert, you said people are ordering a ton of smoky coal delivered on a pallet down south. But where would yes. you, like, what coal shed can take a ton of coal? Can you? Ah, Joe, you know, a coal shed would, yeah, yeah, or even a half. Okay. Like, I've, I've, heard, I've heard anecdotal um, evidence of um, people pooling together. Okay. And ordering a ton two or three neighbours. But uh, that's, that's, that, w- that wouldn't be, um, I, I don't think that would be um, a major thing. But certainly, I mean, people can just buy, buy that um, from across the border, have it delivered to them here. But um, it's, it's, it's a false economy, Joe, because... It's, it, the product is not as good. Okay, well, and this is this, well, is, this is where this is this yeah, is where yeah, our but, friend but, here in Donegal wants it. He he needs to have that blazing in order to get a bit of heat, because there's no heat from the fuel. Whereas with the smokeless fuel, you'll have a nice flame, all right, but you don't need to have it blazing up the chimney and wasting away. This is the point I'm making. And if you do want to have an additional flame, throw a twenty cent or thirty cent log on the fire okay, instead of a two okay. or three euro. John, John the say, say there, John is in Cork. Five one double five one Joe at RT John, um, you, what what's the problem? I know you're a favour of smokeless coal, but what is what are the drawbacks? Well, I suppose in favour would be no choice because if it's one good thing that our government minister done Mary Hamley, if you remember, mm-hmm. you covered it at the time. Um, I mean, the country was destroyed, like you mean, with the smoky coal. It was causing asthma problems, breathing problems, whatever. So it was no loss as regards the health of the nation, right? Yeah. Now, the one thing with this, uh, the smokeless coal, like, the fire takes longer to get going, right? Okay. Uh, it gives out an intensity, all right? It will burn out your grace nearly every two years. The intensity is so hot from the smokeless that you'll have to replace your grate nearly every, definitely three years. You will mm. have to. There's an awful lot more ash in the morning than there would be out of okay. the, 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 the smoky coal, right? 
So that means extra work and extra hoovering and extra cleaning. Okay, okay. Can, you know, we, do you, can you get turf in Cork? Uh, oh, you, you you can, but you'd have to go looking for it, you know what I mean? You won't get it. There's no one actually supplies it in the city, but you could get it brought in from outside, let's put it that way, you well, know? it's illegal, it's illegal. Are you saying it's smuggled into the city under cover yeah, of yeah, darkness? Yeah, yeah, For God's sake, you're like, I mean, there's stuff coming into the country there. If you can't smuggle a tough into cock it. But the one tip I would give people like that are using the smokers, if you get the, what they call singles, they're small, roundy little coals, right? They're all mm. separated and they're bagged. And once you get the fire up and going and it's reddened, and if you put a couple of shovels of the singles on top of the smokers' coal, there's huge heat out of it and it will fire up your rads. Okay. Well, what about that point, Robert, that John is making that um, it's harder to, to get started, it leaves a lot of ash and can burn out your grate every two years? Okay, it's, it's going to be slower, slightly slower to start because it's a slower burning fuel. Something that, burn, something that burns quickly and wastes away quickly will start, will start with light quicker. Like a sheet of paper will light quicker than a, than a log. Mm. So, so it, the, it's, it stands to reason that if it's, if it's slower starting, it's slower burning, longer lasting, better value for money. But uh, it, won't, it, it, doesn't leave, it doesn't leave any more ash. There's nothing that leaves more ash than turf. Turf, turf is a no, I know turf that, is yeah. very ashy, you know. I mean, you, you can't turn around and say smoke is fuel is ash, and at the same time you're looking to burn turf. That just doesn't make sense. And for burning out the great... I know, John, well, John, no, I, John, John, you'd never smuggle turf into your house, or you wouldn't under, no, undercover attack. Not I wouldn't be wearing dark glasses in the raincoat. No, no, no. <laughs> so, 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 so the smokers again. If you, by the way, Robert, God forbid, yes, what, what would happen if you if you were caught selling? Not you. One was caught selling smoky coal. Oh, the serious fines. Fines that were run into thousands of euros. Wow. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 it would be serious. Oh, absolutely. And as well as that, reputationally, I mean, That's reputationally, point, yeah. it, it it wouldn't do you any good. Okay. I mean, I've never sold a bag of coals. I've never sold a bag of the children's coals since the ban came in, pure, pure, for, for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons was, as I said, because the coal, the smokers coal, is better, uh, better, better products, better value. But reason number two, it's it, it, reputationally. If you, if you, if you know, my customers know that I'm just going to sell willy yeah, nilly yeah, the children's okay. coal, it's not going to do my business any good. Okay. As a fellow said, you don't want to get your fingers burned. You do not want to get your finger for okay. it. No, 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 no. Okay, Robert, are you busy? Have your nose are getting a lot busier now in the last few weeks? With yeah, the it's, coach it's, it's very busy. It's, it's very okay. busy, Joe, as I often say. And I do, I do, I do um, ask people just to keep an eye on their older neighbours or more yeah. vulnerable neighbours because it, it just happens so quickly, Joseph. Once, yeah. once the weather goes cold, it's busy. And when it's not, it's not. It's not rocket science. Okay. And uh, the, demand, the demand just skyrockets once, once the cold snap comes. You see, I was trying to explain to my children recently about when we used to get coal delivered and the coal man had come and he'd, he'd heft the bag of sack of coal on his on shoulder yep. through the house yeah. out yes. into the coal shed. And my mother used to insist that he, when he emptied the bag of coal, he put the sack on the... Leave the bag on the ground so and she, count out the bag. Count yeah, out the bag. Absolutely, bags. yeah. Count yeah, we do that as policy, company policy. 
bags are all sure. left on the ground. Okay. I counted out at the end. That's it, yes. Stay, uh, stay, stay with us, Robert. Um, Pater of Whelan is in Germany. What are you born in Germany? How are you, how are you Joe? Mm. Yeah, well, I, well, I'm born in a wooden stove here, Joe, wood. Okay. And uh, we have no, you, you really no problem over here with bad emissions from the chimney because... No, I'll try and get that up as well. Board, you have to burn three. You have to burn three three-year-old wood. Okay. And if you don't burn three-year-old wood, you have to get the chimney swept once a year by a professional chimney sweep. Like it's a firm company comes and sweeps it every year. And what about you say you use it? Smoky well, coal. Can, can you burn smoky huh? coal in? Can you burn smoky coal in Germany? No. No, okay. No, no, no. You can't. No. So what do but the Germans burn? They burn wood rather than coal. Is it? Mostly wood, Joe, yeah, mostly wood, yeah. But the chimney sweep will tell you, he can give you a warning if you're born in wet wood. He'll know by what he's, he's sweeping out of the chimney. That's true, yeah. That's true. So you don't, you can't burn wet wood. Well, you can't actually buy it, but if you cut it yourself, I cut my own in the forest and let it dry. But if you, you can't buy wet wood anyway. And now we have a new regulation here, which may come into Ireland, I'm sure, at some stage with wood burning stoves, that you have to put a filter in them. Okay. And the filter is going to, I've seen one on, I've seen one on offer last week, a filter at a special price for the moment, 700. Oh, good luck. luck. And if you don't put in a filter, you have, you have to buy a new stove and a new stove burns better than the old one. So if you don't burn a filter, put in a filter, you have to buy a new stove. And it's very strict over here, Joe. It's very strict, yeah. But I was saying to your researcher that I think one of the problems that they may have in Ireland in getting people to use the furnace or not using the smokeless coal is that I remember I used to work in Dirty's Coal Merchants well, in Westmoreland yeah, Street. I remember it well, yeah. yeah and if, 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 if people burnt the furnace then or the non-smokeless coal, it was burning the grates out, Joe. Your, your gentleman from mm-hmm. Cumberland there might be able to help on that. But that was a big problem at the time. It burned the grates. It burned the old grates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and is, is uh, coal expensive? What's and the, you know we have a fuel allowance, which which helps a lot of people on social welfare. Kicks in, I think, two weeks ago, mm. and there's a double fuel mm. allowance as part of this in, uh, this massive cost of living yeah, package yeah, yeah. that they're kicking in. Yeah. But is fuel expensive in Germany, Pater? Well, most of the people up around here by me, where I'm in the former East Germany, up at the up at the Baltic Sea, we mm. all born wood. But wood has become ferociously expensive. I mean, it's up to 250 euro a cubic meter of wood now. Okay, wow. Where before, before all the trouble in Ukraine and, and stuff, it would have been about 90 you would have bought it for. So it's gone up that much. But briquettes and all you can buy, but people don't burn them, Joe. They don't burn them. It's too much trouble. You know, you, okay. you wouldn't get it really. I've never even okay. saw a bag of coal. Okay. We were selling coal in Dardy's in 1972, Joe, for uh, uh, £5 a tonne. A ton. And how many bags, how many sacks of coal in a ton? 12, is it? 20. 20. 20, 20 that's right, 20. Okay. God, you, yeah, you, you want to have money. Sure. You want to have money to burn these days. Robert. Robert, so, so, yeah, so, yeah. someone says, Robert, Robert, somebody said, does, an, yeah. does anyone remember the one-armed coal man in Rings End in yes. Dublin? Yeah, I remember him. I do, I do, yes, yes. I can't how, remember his name off the top of the head. But how, but how, would, how would you carry coal into oh, a house if you've only one arm? Oh, easily. Well, you, look, you would only be using one arm anyway. The coal will be on your shoulder, on your yeah, back, know, on, your, on your back, and on your shoulder. And you just use one arm. Just the, the arm that you're using to hold the bag of coal, Joe, is just to steady the bag. 
Okay. All the weight okay. and the balance. Fair play. The colour's balanced on your back. All right, sorry, I, I interrupted yeah, interrupt you there, Robert. That man from Crumlin. Pat, are you? That man from Crumlin, does he remember 60 kilo sacks? Yeah, I remember the 10 stone. There used to be 10 stone bags, and then that was reduced to 8 stone. But the point That's I was really going good. to make there, yeah. Now, the point I was going to make there is that the same size bag now of smokeless fuel, because it's a manufactured product that's not as dense, it's the same size bag, it's 40 uh-huh. kilos, so you have 25 bags in a ton, as opposed to 20 mm-hmm. bags in a ton of all bituminous coal. So you're getting an, ex- an additional oh, no. five bags in the ton at the same price. So it kind of balances. Okay, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out what would the weight of a, of a bag of coal, a sack of coal, so be... What? 40 kilos now. 100 weight. So 100 weight. 100 weight. Okay, 100 weight. 20, 20, 20, 100 weight in a ton. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah what's, what's 100 weight now in real money, in kilos? Well, well you see, 100 weight, 50, 50 kilos. 50. But, 50, but, okay. but it's the same, yeah, yeah, but the same bag now, the smokeless fuel, is 40 kilos. Okay, you're losing me. You're losing me, Rob. I'm just, I'm mesmerised by this one-armed coal man in Ring's End carrying 50 kilo bags of coal. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and up, and down, the, up and down the stairs of flats and whatever, yeah? yeah. Can you imagine? Okay. <laughs> Robert, Robert, so you are evangelical about please do not burn smoky coal, please. No, don't. So it's, it's a false economy, Joe. Yeah. Even taking, look, we're all concerned about the environment. We all have children. We all have grandchildren. I have two beautiful grandchildren. I want a, be- a better place for them to live in. But it's a false economy. You're burning a fuel that's taken out of a mine. It's, 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 it's dug out of a mine. Yeah. You know, and, and, the, and the, the quality is only discovered when it's in your fire. Okay. So the quality is always going yeah. to be inconsistent. With the smokeless fuel, it's manufactured, so the quality is always the same. It's, it's perfect. The bag okay. you got last okay. week is perfectly the okay. same as the bag you get this and week. Sure, haven't it's they higher, stopped? It's haven't... higher heat output. Yeah. It's longer lasting. It's better for the economy and it's better in your house because it's, it's giving you a better heat. And in the Robert, are, uh, Robert, are you available to chair one of these sessions at, Co- at COP28 over in, <laughs> in Dubai? Because you're making more put, sense than that shake that's chairing it at the minute who wants to well, you, keep looking. Thank you very much. You, you, you put my name, you put my name down and I'll go, name? yeah. COP28, yeah, chaired I'll by I'll Robert Hudson. I'll go by train. I'll go and train them both so they don't harm the environment. Okay, Jimmy Murray, Jimmy, Jimmy. Come back, come back. What? Hello? Hello, Joe. Before you go, let me tell you something. It's all going to come out in the wash anyway, because if you look up some of the website now on what's good to burn and what's not good to burn, a lot of them are saying that dry wood, now dry wood is very bad for the environment because of of all the fumes that are coming out of it. There There was even talk here about maybe balance. Apparently, Port yeah. Arlington is on fire because it's awash with smoky coal and there's a smog, as we speak, hanging over Port Arlington because people are burning the smoky coal. Where's that coming from? Jimmy Murray, the one-armed coal man. How are you doing? Pat Dent was his name, Joe. Uh, Pat, Pat Dent. Dent. And, uh, he had a very... He, he, he was he was well-known in there for uh, as long as I can remember since I was a child. And Pat had a had a great roar when he came into the flat. He go call, and everybody knew it was Pat Dent's call. And he would be so, he would be looking. Well, is he looking uh, hundred way sacks of coal up the stairs? No problem. Absolutely no problem at all. Incredible man. He was an incredible man. And my my sister moved to Australia 
uh, back in the early 70s. And she came back 20 odd years later. And who walks in the flats and lets a roar? She goes, Oh, and he goes, I don't believe that's Pat Dent. She oh, says, That's Pat Dent. I said, definitely still Pat Dent. And are you still living in Rings End, Jimmy? Uh, I still live in the Rings End, Borden Road. And, and a friend of mine, Pat Larkin, wrote a book on the Cobo kids. And we were the Cobo kids that, that worked, took all the coal off the docks and carried her over. And uh, the, the, the top of the, the, the coal that heated up, when you couldn't get coal, when there was no ships coming into the port, we used to go to the gas company and rob anthracite coal. And you, he, the, the man was right about the heat because anthracite coal, you had yeah. to have an anthracite fire. Otherwise, it would, right. it would just collapse the grate, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And yeah. as I said, yeah. it's, it's a smoggy in Rings End these days, Jimmy. No, we're all going very posh now. <laughs> <laughs> we, all have, we all have central heat now. We've got... got uh, still, yeah. Although I still have an open fire, but I used to smoke this cold now. It's not the Mayweather. OK, no yeah, not the Mayweather, but, but people, love, people love the open fire. God bless you, Jimmy. Tony Dent is the son of Patrick Dent, Pat Dent. Oh, yeah. Tony is there. Tony, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. How are Tony, you? how are you? Is your dad, good, is, is your dad still with us? No, my dad died. He died at the age of sixty-six, but he oh. was a great man. And as those people said, he he could he could sling a bag of coal on his shoulder and carry it three 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 flights of stairs up the flights, and rings end, and deliver it. And he had a great reputation. And well, do you mind me asking how come he only had one arm? Well, my my dad was born ah. uh, behind Ferrari's chipper in in the street where the Regal Cinema was, and. He was born with one arm, okay. and, and every person in the village was 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 queuing up to see a man with one arm. So he was he was nearly famous from from birth, okay. and and that wasn't seen as a bad thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. it was just unusual, and there were and everybody was brought around to see him. And um, the famous story about my dad as well is that you know he went to school and he was a great boxer with one arm, and he could play snooker, and. Uh, he his his aunt Judy gave him twenty five pounds as a as a, a dowry or as a as a kind of um you know uh, he's a beneficiary from a will okay. and she, she set him up with a horse and cart okay. and he never looked back and he set up his business he learned to drive and and now my brother Noel took over the business ah. subsequently and he it's still, he's still running but it's eight stone bags of coal now and Noel so the so the dent name is still alive and well and rings end. That's right. And we beyond. call him Noel the Cole. So. Noel the Cole. And was <laughs> Tony? Was your father called Patrick the one that was it? Was he known as the one arm Coleman? Well, what people, people get used to it. We did. We didn't. We didn't think my father was disabled in any manner yeah, because course, he could do he everything that yeah, yeah. other man could do. You know, so we never considered. And he had one for a period of time. He he got an artificial arm. Okay. And. He had 11 children, so we all wanted to hold the arm that was the false one. You know, we didn't want the real one. And did, you know, he, did he get used to the prosthetic? No, he didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't like it, and it had a glove on it, you know, a false glove. I remember, glove, I, I remember so. in those days, my, my aunt, yeah. my favourite aunt ever, Aunt Rini. Um, God, God rest her, she died, died during COVID. Um, but she lost her arm in an accident in a knitting factory in Parnell Square when she was 15, wow. Tony. And she was, she, and she lived to a good age, thank God. 
but she had a prosthetic and it was like to all intents and purposes Tony it was like the arm off a dummy in Switzer's window you know what I mean there that's was no, right that's what there was it was nothing, like yeah, there was nothing to it there was nothing to it and it's only no. in, it's only in later life when she was in a nursing home and he used to, not far from here actually that she actually t- took off this awful prosthetic that she always wore and was um, she'd always kind of cover her hand and it was only in later years that she took the, the awful thing off and had a bit of freedom and wasn't afraid of us. To, wasn't uh, wasn't upset by us seeing her arm. It was it was fine. It was fine. And and but anyway, there was a, there was there was no prosthetics then the way we had them now. There were just sticks sticks no, under an arm or a leather so, belt. Yeah. You know, yeah. We all of the program about the. Um, the one-armed guy and uh, the fugitive. Oh, yeah, yeah. The fugitive, the or, man, you know, yeah. at one stage, you know. But you've, you've interviewed my mother. She was married ah. with a policeman at the, at the um, you know, Mary, that's, that's Pat's wife. Uh, okay. You interviewed her with the, um, do you remember the, the, the Robbie Williams concert and she was, she was ah. uh, escorted down. And yeah, so your, your mother, your mother, yeah. Was uh, is that famous photograph with her two? Um, it's in my head now. Photograph the image, and it was a, re- a member of the Garda Reserve, a fine, handsome, tall man who we subsequently had on the program. He was a farmer, and uh, he he carried the 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 um he carried the bags or bag, shopping yeah, bags down. Yeah, bag, oh, yeah, that was great. That was a little. Uh, how was your mother, Tony? She she's doing great. Oh, she's great. She's ninety one and. She's living alone, and we look after her, and right. she's doing great. And we had her out for lunch yesterday, and she always talks about you, Joe. So well done. That gave her a lift. Oh, it gave me, it gave the program a lift. I tell you, I was actually remembering it last week when I was asking whatever happened to Garda Reserve, because that that guard I can't remember his name, but that guard was ah, yeah. oh, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Is Philip there? Who's Philip? Is Philip there? Yeah, how yeah. you go here? Yeah, where are you, Philip? Philip Chili rings in. Yeah, and who do you, do you remember, Pat? Pat? I remember uh, Pat. Well, we lived on the second balcony, and if you wanted three or four bags, like the top balcony was about forty feet, and Pat used to do that. They were big, huge money a bag. Like they, they weren't pre-packed. You were like well, no, in the, loose in, cold, in the depot, yeah. you know. And it doesn't matter how many bags you ask Pat for four or five up the up the, the stairs. But we used to have pram sheds in the flat initially, and Man. people got the cold into that on the ground floor, and then they became for the bikes and the, the big clowns you'd be yeah. putting there. But you had a small cold bunker in the hall of the flats, and yet that was a little hatch up, little lift up, and you dropped it into the, into the cold bunker in the hall, you saw the toilet. But remember one time, my dad had just finished paving the sitting room. You had to walk <laughs> into the sitting room and turn around, and was one of the bags all slacky wet. Ah. I had turned around, and all along, my dad's new wallpaper. Oh, oh good Jesus. luck. Oh, good you luck. When we were kids, Pat used to come in and shout that cold. And we used to shout back, what do you feed your mother on? What would Pat say? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I'll tell you, he had the a terrific... In the summer, he sold vegetables, you know? Go like, away. the man was never right. There's so many kids to feed, I suppose. But, and he, had, he, he used to have the satchel on his, on, his, on his arm as well. And he could manage the money, pushing the satchel up with his, with his short arm. And right. giving it. He was Incredible. He just, right. The strength of that man... Was unreal. Up and, you imagine Joe going 40 feet with 10 I know, back. I know, I know. All day, every day. Up those stairs, yeah. No thanks. Like, what, 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 and he wasn't Good a big God. huge man. He was just, just slim. He wasn't, of course, he wouldn't have any weight on you doing that work, you know. 
But that was yeah. there, Gagley. What do you feel your mother on? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil. Well, great, great man. Great to- man. Tony, Tony Dent. Tony, kind regards to your, to your sainted mother. Nice, nice, and, fam- uh, nice family overall. Yes, yeah, it sounds like it. And Noel is still running yeah, the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Noel Dent is down in... Is his depot down in Ring's End? Uh, no, no, no! Living at Southside now, but he, he has his own depot here in in, in the borough of Dunleary, and he still works the Rings End, uh, Johnny Brook area. The Rings, the Rings End beat. Okay, lovely talking okay, to you Joe, all. Okay, Joe, nice to speak to you. Likewise, thanks so much, and yeah, thanks yeah. for all those kind words about my father. Ah, okay. oh, he's an incredible man, by the sounds. But and I know, by the way, Maria, Maria, uh, Whelan of this parish. Well, Mar- Marty, uh, Marty's partner. Uh, she's related as well. I remember telling me to the to the Dent family. Robert Hudson, uh, thanks thanks again. I go go back to work, Robert. You can go back now. I'm at it. I'm hard at it. No, Joe, thank you very much. Warmest wishes. No slacking. You hear me? Okay. No slacking off. No good luck. Good luck. Listen, warmest wishes to you. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Robert. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. And the passing of Shane McGowan and his funeral on Friday is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. But um, the fairy tale of New York on Christmas Eve in Grafton Street. And as you know, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. And we'll be in uh, outside the Bailey there at the junction of uh, Grafton Street and Duke Street, Marks and Spencer's Corner. And uh, we will have a performance of the fairy tale of New York. And But the difference, I think, will be that I think every member of the crowd will join in to give it an incredible rendition of fairy tale of New York for the year that's in it. So bring the lyrics with you or we'll probably hand out the lyrics on the day. But, uh, and that led us to Friday's programme and Paul Simon. And uh, Paul, uh, as you heard, um, was a good friend of Shane and that's the reason why he wanted to talk. But he also, he was very relaxed and he spoke about his, um, his really difficult last two years. Um, he's gone deaf completely in one ear, as he told us, in his left ear. Um, he has difficulty flying because of ear uh, problems. Um, he got COVID twice, which I've never seen in any interview, uh, and he was badly, badly battered, he said, in the last two years. But he also spoke about um, uh, he also spoke about um, the whole uh, issue of hearing loss. And this is what Paul Simon t- uh, told us on Friday. If I had the opportunity to, uh, and I was in the same town, I'd, I'd reach out to Martin Hayes and see if we yeah. could Although I don't know how, how much I can play, how much I can play to go, how much I can play anymore because of my hearing. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I always like play. I always like playing with uh, with Martin when we ha- when we have the chance. And Paul went on to say that um, he won't he won't be ever able again unless there's a miracle to actually play uh, an, an electric with his incredible concerts with drums and electrics. He said the only concerts he will even think about having a go at now is uh, acoustic and acoustic uh, with acoustic fellow acoustic guitar players or whatever but and it, that prompted Brian Cleary contacts us Brian good afternoon you want you want to let people know there is hope uh, when it comes to hearing loss your story Brian please yeah good afternoon Joe thanks for having me on um, that was an incredible interview with Paul Simon and you know great tribute to the majestic Shane McGowan mm-hmm. um, and it just got me thinking about my own situation like I obviously I can't comment on 
Paul Simon's medical yeah, yeah, condition, it could be very different. But, you know, in my situation, I woke up on Stephen's Day 2021 with no hearing in my left ear. You know, I put a phone yeah. up to my ear, I couldn't hear anything. Um, and, you know, eventually got the treatment that I needed, but ultimately was left with profound hearing loss. So essentially I lost all input on my on my left side. And your brain, when it's deprived of, you mm-hmm. know, stereo input, as nature intended, um, essentially makes up sound. So you end up hearing tinnitus instead. Um, and that tinnitus depends on the noise environment that you're in. So, you know, I, I play music uh, too as a, you know, a, a keen mm-hmm. amateur. And, you know, I stopped playing music. I stopped listening to music. I stopped listening to audiobooks and okay. podcasts because... The tinnitus always got louder than whatever you're listening to because your mm-hmm. brain was trying to make up that signal that it, it, it needed and that it okay. always had. Um, so I can totally emphasize that position where, you know, you've got this conditioned reaction because of the severe tinnitus to, to not want to play or, or listen to music. And uh, fortunately for me, you know, there's good evidence to say that for my situation, cochlear implants are an effective treatment method and I was able to access one through the HSE treatment abroad scheme okay. um, I got my cochlear implant this pretty much around this time last year and uh, got it in Berlin um, and got activated this year on the 3rd of January and after activation it was the first time I heard silence in a year, um, over a year mm-hmm. uh, just getting some sound input to my brain again uh, squashed the tinnitus you know, to the extent that I don't suffer with with tinnitus anymore. It's it's pretty much gone. Okay, if I sit cr- in silence, I might I might hear a smidgen of it, but I don't suffer with. But the it cochlear anymore. the cochlear implant that was prescribed, so to speak, for your hearing loss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the original trials for people with single sided deafness were done in Belgium in around two thousand six, two thousand seven. Okay. And they were done for people with single sided deafness and severe tinnitus that wasn't responding to any other treatment. And they were surprised to find that it was effective for um not everyone. Results vary, yeah, but yeah. most of the patients got obviously got some degree of hearing back and you know, got relief from severe or catastrophic tinnitus. Um, for me, I had nothing to lose. I had no hearing. You know, I, I had grown up in a mm-hmm. hearing world. I wasn't part of the the wonderful deaf community that's out there because, you know, I had perfect hearing and lost it overnight. Um, so I, I needed to get that input back. So then how did They're you, not- Brian, how did you hear about the Berlin option? Um, so I, I, I'm a researcher myself. I, I do research in another uh, okay. medical field, and you know I, I was able to search and find groups that were doing research in this area. And you know, there's 15 years worth of papers there describing research groups who've been using this okay. as a treatment option. So routinely in Germany, if you if you develop single-sided deafness, you will be a candidate for assessment for a cochlear okay. implant. Single-sided um, deafness. Okay. Yeah, and then um, how? And how, so how did, routine okay, in and some countries. Was it? Was it? Was there a lot of work in in campaigning to get to Berlin? Um, I put together an evidence summary, and I wrote to the treatment abroad scheme, filled in their application process. I got okay. a referral from an Irish consultant, and it it got approved. And wow. you know, I'm very grateful for that. I think you know, European freedom of movement means that if other EU citizens can access a treatment that you can't access that, you know, there is a process there for you to get okay. equal access. So and were I went you, through that process you, and it, it worked. Were you forced in, Brian? Do you think you're one of the first to source I think it? so. 
I think so. And, um, and I know other people have been through it since, and great. I've been able to help them, and that's that's been very uh, adds a little bit of meaning to a pretty difficult situation um, to be able to you know point other people. people in the right direction. So I wrote it all down. It's in a blog available at noisysilence.ie. So Noisy silence. all the details brilliant. are brilliant. And so Brian, all the details are there for the Brian, would I would I know you're wearing a cochlear implant? Yeah, you'd see it. Yeah, it's on the side of my head. So I have essentially your cochlea is, you know, in behind your eyeball, you know, inside okay. your ear canal. So it's quite, it's it's not in your ear. It's it's in the middle of your head. Um, they go in through an incision in the back of your ear um, and they expose the opening into the cochlea mm-hmm. and then they drill a tiny hole and they push a small little electrode into that hole. And that little electrode, if you think of the cochlea as a snail, snail shell you know they're pushing this small okay. little flexible electrode into that snail shell um, that electrode array has got 22 individual electrodes in it and that stimulates the the auditory nerve so two microphones that, that sit on a processor looks like a hearing aid that sits in my ear mm. uh, they pick up the sound they send the sound through a wire that attaches to a small little magnetic disc that sits on the side of my head uh, that sends it across to an internal device, the, the implant, and then okay. goes down the electrode into the, the auditory pathway. And my brain then makes sense of that. So, uh, you know, the videos you see online don't really give a true representation of it. You know, I did get sound straight away. Mm-hmm. I, I could understand the, the doctor saying, can you, can you hear me in his German accent? And it was amazing, but it was really the start of a very long rehabilitation process where you learn to hear again. So, you know, that's multiple sessions with uh, audiologists and speech therapists and, you know, hours a day of practice um, to the stage, you know, where you start yeah. to, you know, I listen to a lot of Seamus Heaney, um, uh, audiobooks of Seamus Heaney's poetry, yeah. and Seamus Heaney sounded like a chipmunk because, you know, it wasn't what I was used okay. to hearing. It was a different way of hearing. But your brain then adjusts over time and, you know, I could mm-hmm. hear his voice drop over the course of six to eight weeks until it sounded more like Seamus Heaney as we know yeah, him. beautiful voice, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it just, you know, over time, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 audiobooks later, um, your word recognition okay. goes up and up. And, and you know, you the, the I presume you were you under general anaesthetic. Yeah, but they can do it under local anaesthetic. Oh, so goodness. some older patients who have complications um, you know, they, they do it under local as well. Um, and how long yeah, were you, how long were you in the German that. hospital for? Um, I They had two-night inpatient procedure, but in it's an outpatient procedure in some countries. Um, I think some of the inpatient stay might have been, you know, related to the, the German insurance yeah. process. Um, but you can't fly after middle ear surgery, so oh, I drove. Course, yeah, you yeah. Know, so I set off driving and got on the ferry and tried to avoid catching COVID on the way over because that would have sent me back home. Mm. Um so got there on the 30th, uh, no, 29th November, had my COVID test. That was clear and had the surgery then 30th November. Uh, spent a few nice days in, in Berlin and got the stitches out. They mm-hmm. do a CT scan to make sure that they can see the electrodes inside your cochlea and that it's the right shape and making good contact. They test it while you're on the, the table. So they know that the electrodes are working and where they need to be because they can measure the response in your auditory nerve. Incredible. Um, so it's amazing technology. And do you, do you know and what the waiting this is? Is there a wait? Sorry, the waiting time, Brian. Um, it depends on, you know, you, you need to, um, sorry, I'm just 
call coming in there. So uh, you need to be assessed. So they need to do things like checking if your auditory nerve is functioning. So, you know, they, they need to do fairly detailed imaging and audiology mm. testing to make sure you're you're a candidate. But once I was a candidate um, and, you know, they measured the severity of my tinnitus and they measured the severity of hearing loss. I was in the profound range, which means, wow. you know, I can hear nothing of zero and, word recognition. And ob- obviously, so I, I, two months after that, I had the oh. surgery. Um, so it was quite quick. As you say, you woke up in St. Stephen's Day, 2021, and there was did anything? Uh, yeah, you, you've, you've, I'm sure you've tormented yourself over the, the initial period. Did anything spark the hearing loss? Do you know? No. So ninety percent of cases, when they work them up and they do MRIs and they do blood okay. tests and they go through all the checks, you know, they don't find a cause. So it's most okay. commonly idiopathic, which means we don't know what caused yeah, it. Yeah. Sometimes it's multiple sclerosis. Sometimes it's a benign tumor. Sometimes it's something else. Okay. But I suppose it, an important message is. It happens to about a thousand people in Ireland every year. Um, not wow. everyone is as severe as me. Um, sometimes mm. it's a subtle change in, in the hearing, but about a third of those never regain their hearing. So I was I was one of the you know more profoundly affected, and I never um, never got a response. But ultimately, if you or someone you know has a severe hearing loss you pretty much have 24 hours to get to see an ENT specialist who can assess you and see, is it this, and give you steroids and, you know, give you the best chance of regaining yeah. your hearing. If you're waiting for an appointment, if you, you know, go to the wrong place, um, you know, you might delay that steroid treatment and reduce your chances of preserving your hearing. So, okay. you know, I talked to you before about um, adverts for hearing loss and how hearing mm. loss was kind of the butt of the joke. And, you know, it'd be great if those kind of companies got behind a campaign to raise awareness of sudden hearing loss because a thousand people a year in Ireland is a lot. Profound effect on people's lives, um, and some of it is preventable. Um, okay, so, then, raising uh, people's awareness, and I have a nice video from a UK audiology uh, charity that you know, in two minutes they get across you know the six things you need to do with the sudden hearing loss. Okay. And you'll know this isn't a bit of wax. This isn't this isn't a yeah, slight reduction yeah, yeah. in your hearing. This is you put the phone up to your ear, ear and you can hear nothing. Uh, it's a profound change mm. in your previous. Uh, hearing ability. Well, uh, Paul Paul uh, Simon on Friday was talking about for him, now, for him as a musician, and um, I don't know whether his a lot of musicians do suffer unfortunately from tinnitus. He didn't mention tinnitus, but he's 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 profoundly deaf in one ear, and that's why people might have noticed on Friday he wasn't uh, Paul wasn't speaking with a receiver up to his right ear. He can only uh, do an interview like that. He said over the speakerphone. So, mm-hmm. which is yeah. not, which cannot be sometimes not great quality wise. But anyway, um, so to, to, um, what about music, Brian? What about concerts, gigs? Do you still go? Yeah, or do so you it, want to go? It, it it took months. I thought I wouldn't. You know, I I kind of naturally stopped listening to music mm-hmm. because of that conditioning. You know, tinnitus is nasty. It's like. You know, you can hear pain. It's like what pain would sound like. Yeah. Um, and it's loud. It's like a hairdryer, you know, holding a hairdryer in your hand mm. and it's, it's, it's at full volume. And it's nasty white noise. So, you know, you wouldn't do that for pleasure. So you just naturally stop listening. But yeah. I, I had some tickets for concerts bought before uh, I had surgery or before I lost my hearing. So I did do some concerts with the single-sided deafness and the bad tinnitus. Mm-hmm. And it was better than being at home on the couch listening to the tinnitus. At least you're seen a band but it wasn't quite the you know yeah. what you choose um, but long story short I was at CMAT in the Olympia this week yeah. I went twice and the Olympia and 
CMAT and her management were incredible. You know, I reached out to them and they engaged and mm. they sorted me out. And essentially, the sound engineer was able to beam the sound directly to my cochlear implant. So I was streaming wow. that sound into my head and I didn't have to listen to the crowd noise. Um, I got clear input. Now, it's not the same as my normal hearing on the okay, other side, okay. but it really complements it. And the fact that it's in stereo when, you know, I was kind of thinking I'll never go to a gig again uh, was just very, you know, and even that album, you know, when that album came out, I was coming back from a, a mapping session in Berlin where I'd gotten a, a fresh map, which basically means mm. they fine-tune the electrodes to what you can hear and what you can't hear. So I'm sitting at the airport with my better hearing and I stick on a set of headphones and I listen to this new album and it just sounded great and it was in stereo and, you know, to get to see that live and it being a phenomenal gig and for people to be willing to help because, you know, going to a Mm -hmm. gig, you're anxious, you're asking people for a favour, you you want to, you know, enjoy it as as much as you can. You don't want to be irritating the band or the sound engineer or the venue but the Olympia and CMAT this week were just amazing and it's incredibly accessible and even at the end of the process the sound engineer was thinking about ways to scale it up so you know he could have Mm -hmm. what he gave to me he could maybe put out to multiple devices so um, I don't want to get into the technicality of how it's done but it can be done and it's amazing and just two things before you go one the name of your blog for people people can uh, listeners who want to go forward or can what's the name of your blog Brian yeah, it's uh, noisy silence noisy silence and then the name of the phone that you accessed for the treatment in Berlin is called it's the HSE treatment abroad scheme brilliant brilliant well Brian that's brilliant and thank you so much and uh, with that, especially with that good news, that's Brian Cleary. Yeah, just, uh, a shout yeah. out to all the the gang in the Fegan session. So it's a music session that I've started okay. playing at again. So I'm delighted to be playing music again. And um, they have sessions in Fumbly once a month, and it's, okay. it's great to be back playing music. See Matt, see Matt. As you know, she's only 27. She was on Graham Norton the other night, wasn't well, she? She's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And her name is people. Where did Seamat come from? Her name is Kira Mary Alice Thompson. There you are now. That's Seamat. Back after this. Thanks, Brian. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.E. text. And good afternoon. Hello, Joe. What? Nice to have a call from you. Yeah. And thanks for your, you, you, you contacts about outdoor lights and flashing. Yeah. What's the problem? Um, I find this time of the year very difficult to negotiate going out for a walk with um, people having um, all their Christmas decoration and lights. The yeah. lights are bad enough, but more and more now people are having all these flashing lights and even changing colours. And for somebody like me, that's a trigger for migraines. And it's like okay. trying to negotiate every day, uh, trying to manage this. Now, a number of people suffer with this, and I know it's awful to be a killjoy this time of the year, hmm. but... Um, and as you know, there's more, there's more and more lights going up. There's um, 78,000 LED lights in the incredible uh, treetop experience in Avondale. Um, and again, they're all enviro-friendly. Um, yeah. the, the winter, Dublin is lit up. There's a winter festival. Oh, it's opened, actually, in Merrion Square. 
and I drive by that a lot. It's absolutely incredible, but it's it's so popular. I think it's booked out a lot of the time. So there's yeah. uh, every yeah. year there's more and more lights. And it is it is it a particular type of sequence or type of light that triggers your um, migraine? No, it's well, everybody's different, but for me. Um, there are a number of things that can trigger migraines for me, and one of them is lights. Uh, another one is smells. Another one is sounds. Okay. And lots of people have these things. I'm listening to your last guy, Brian, talking yeah, about was, tinnitus. Yeah, yeah. An awful lot of people with migraine also have tinnitus. Oh, I don't think people oh, realize God. that once you get triggered a migraine, um, common symptoms are vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, difficulty balancing. Yeah. Uh, sensitive to smell, light but, and sound. But I don't think people just see migraine as a headache. It's not. It's it, it's something that has to be managed throughout your life. And um, yeah. I'm in a, in a group, in a WhatsApp group, have come together to try and support each other in this. And, um, but what can... One of the, you, you, can't, what, you can't stop people, especially businesses, using flashing lights. What... Is there anything you can do? Can you wear sunglasses or can you protect... Well, that's, 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 what, I, that's what I do. I wear sunglasses. But um, one of the problems... Uh, well, I've had migraines all my life on and off, um, different types of ones. But in 2019, uh-huh. I got a dose of migraines that left me um, with a balance problem. And that I now know is called vestibular migraine. And it's to do with your eyes and your ears and your brain and the balance between it. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you, yeah, you just get a headache. In the past, when I was younger, I got a headache. I vomited. I had to go to bed, um, uh, you know, darkened room. And you yeah, thought I you know. had to, you had to you just wear, live with it. Would you, would you wear sunglasses at night time at Christmas time yes. given? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. But you can't, you can't drive with sunglasses. Of course so that's you an, can't, yeah. another problem. But um, I, in, instead, of, instead of using medication, I have started using uh, uh, an electric device and listening to your guy there, Brian, talking yeah, about the capillary implant. implant yeah. um, the, what I use is an electrode that um, uh, for 20 minutes every morning on my forehead, and that's supposed to desensitize the oh, trigeminal okay. nerve. Okay. So, like, so, so I say to people yeah. who, who it, it is a brain condition, and for people out there who find that they can't, um, they can't manage this, you know, you really have to get to a stage where you can retrain yeah. your brain to deal with all these sensitivities. Um, and Anne, would you find yourself not going out at Christmas time because of the lights? I would find myself um, trying to avoid social occasions where I have to go in some place where there's lights and flashing and all that. And I would tend to now ask my friends um, to come to places that I know I, I can tolerate. Mm. Um, um, it would be good in... in uh, it, I, I text originally to say, really, in your environment around you, you go out to your house and you're just walking down the street and there's all these flashing lights. Um, even if they didn't flash them, if they left them, Without a flash, okay. it would be a lot easier to tolerate than the flashing lights. Okay, stay with um, us. Stay with us, Anne. I've more people want to join in after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Claire O'Sullivan, what sparked your migraine attack yesterday? 
Oh, hi, Joe. I went, uh, I went to a centre here in Cork and um, flashing lights, the mm-hmm. candles, the candles with the smells, the Christmas smells, the diffusers with the Christmas smells. And as well as that, it was all glass, so the low sun. Um, I ended up the day vomiting, diarrhoea, mm. nausea, nightmare. And you reckon that the flashing lights is something to do with it? Oh, definitely. My okay. hairdresser, as soon as, as soon as I go to the door of my hairdresser at this time of year, he says to me, quick, away from the Christmas tree, I'll hide you over in the dark corner. Yeah. And would they not turn off the lights for you for the couple of hours you're in the hairdressers? <laughs> That's true, they could. <laughs> Okay, so I suppose that's, I'm it's, only one of uh, a lot of people and yeah, I'm the one with the hypersensitive brain. But it's crippling. Stay there, Claire, because Kay McDonnell. Kay, you, you, the blinking hi. lights, as you call them. You go ahead. You think? Hi, 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 Joe. Yeah. I'm. I'm just talking about the the blinking lights. The lights mm. on isn't isn't the problem for most people. It's the blinking lights. It can actually trigger off um, epilepsy. Do you know? Yeah. Sure, even when there's a film on, Joe, like they will say, um, be well, careful, that's, that's, that's lights, the flashing lights, the yeah. strobe lights. That's a you very know? good point. Um, so the the whole thing, there's a lot of people. It's not a killjoy by any means. Just leave the lights on. Do you know? Yeah, don't um, let them flash. Like, like even I was said, I know that's out in the streets and they're flashing. These these are not flashing in the people's houses, so they don't have the problem. And the, do you know what? The lights are beautiful. Hmm. Just leave them on. It saves a lot of problems with people even going by in cars with these flashing lights. It can cause an accident. But as I said, epilepsy, and some people have a very mild epilepsy, like Pedimal, and, and it can actually trigger off one of them too. It, Dundrum is one of the worst places. My friend actually can't go to Dundrum because there's so many flashing lights going up the escalator. Do you know? Yeah, um, it's fascinating, yeah. And yeah. then someone said to me, I don't know where was it this morning, someone said... Uh, the Christmas tree in Dunleary, which is fantastic, has a, a guard of blue light in the middle of it that's flashing all the time. But anyway, so it's the flash. Yeah, it's that'd, the be, flashing that'd be one, of the, that'd be one okay. of the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let everybody enjoy Christmas and leave the lights on. Leave the no lights on. No need for blinking okay. or flashing lights. Leave the lights on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Claire. Yeah. Claire, and if you know what, sorry, if you have a bit of an idea what triggers your migraine, can you avoid or is that just an impossibility? This time of year, I tend just not to go places because yeah. wow. too, but it's, the brain is just too hypersensitive to smell, noise, light, yeah. even, even the sunlight flickering through the trees. That's like a flashing light for ah, me. Ah, yes. Nightmare. And, and the, the car, the LED lights at night. I have migraine glasses that I wear at night, which are 20% tinted, which is the legal amount, but they don't help, really. And a lot of cars have these new LED lights, haven't they? Yeah. Even, so the, even the indicators, like a neon sign, and these yeah. new fangled cars. Okay, Claire, Claire, thanks indeed. It's Claire O'Sullivan, uh, Anne and Kay. Joe at rt.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Breda, Breda, where are you, Breda? Uh, Joe, I'm here in Stilorgan. Okay, and do you, have you any... I contact, I contact you, you this morning because yes. of an article that I saw yesterday in the Sunday Business Post okay. about... 
towns in Ireland that are not adhering to the smokeless coal. Uh, towns like Ennis, Tralee, yeah. uh, Gorey, I think, and Letterkenny. And they are burning coal that is throwing out huge volumes of terrible smoke. smoke yeah. And there is uh, Leo Varadkar over at COP28 uh, promising millions and he, he doesn't look after what's here in his own backyard. The local authorities should be making sure that people are not burning coal that is high in smoke output. But where are they getting it, Breda? It's illegal. That's you can't sell it. You cannot sell I know. it. That is my question. Where are they getting it? How come the local authorities are not checking out these people? Well, as I said, today now we've had calls about Port Arlington, Ennis, Ennis Gorty and Letterkenny. Now, Letterkenny is on the border and as per usual, everything is much cheaper if you go across the border and buy smoky coal. It's, they don't have the carbon tax and they don't have the tax rates we have. But how, well, at Tralee, how are people in Tralee, Ennis, Port Arlington, uh, Ennis Gorty, how are, and Rings End, how are they, where are they getting the smoky coal? I, I just I would know. love to know the answer okay. to that. Where are they getting it? Okay, maybe Alan Fox can help us. Alan, Alan. Good afternoon, <laughs> Joe. Uh, Shamrock Renewables, what, 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 what do you do in the smokeless line? Yeah, we're a we're a manufacturer of of a smokeless carbon neutral fuel, um, and and I think um, just with regards to that query raised by that lady uh, on where uh, these fuels are coming yeah. from that are creating this pollution, um, I just would make the comment that we are still joined by land to Northern Ireland, which is yeah. a different legal jurisdiction. And uh, bituminous coal is still able to be purchased and bought in yeah. Northern Ireland quite legally. Uh, so I, I suspect that most of that supply chain is probably emanating from north of the border. And you now make uh, smokeless people get what are they made from? Yeah, we, we, we're the largest grower of willow, which ah. is a natural tree. And we harvest our willow every two years. Uh, we process that harvested willow into a dried product and press it into okay. wood brick. And where are you based, Alan? We're, we're based outside of Kells Town uh, in, a, in a small area called Balrat, Kells, County Meath. So you're the man uh, I saw on the paper yesterday. I'm the very man. Yes, Joe, that handsome <laughs> man with the white beard. Yes, <laughs> and you know, I, I was mesmerised by that article um, and, and your, your entrepreneurship. That's brilliant, that's brilliant. Well, well done. Uh, and where, where, great. Well done. Well done. And I saw the story of you mortgaging a house and beg seed to try and get it started when you saw the gap with Bordemone and pulling out. And um, yeah. where, where, where can people buy your product? Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're now in uh, close to 2,000 outlets. Brilliant. The, the Brilliant. Sort of well known names like Dunn Stores. Great. Uh, the, the petrol filling stations, um, uh, Apple Green. Um, literally, pretty Super. much most of the high, high street retailers now have our have our product. And your brand is Shamrock Renewables. Yeah, our our the best known product for us is called Willow Warm. Okay, and they're the little logs, are they? Correct. That's a it's a ten briquette bale of of briquettes uh, wrapped so that it doesn't create any dust. Yeah, brilliant. Very low, brilliant. very low ash. 
and smoke. Well done. Fair play to you, Alan. Well done. Congratulations. Shamrock Renewables, come on. Let's get on board. And uh, well done, Alan Fox. Uh, sorry you had such a short time with you because I said it was mesmerised by that article yesterday. But thanks for contacting us. Tommy Sullivan on sound. The broadcast coordinator, Shane Galvin. Um, Dave Sherry produced. And Ray Darcy is next. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie